0: Blog Talk Radio. to Desperate Housewitches. I'm your host, Raina Starr. Um, welcome. Oh my gosh, it is the first Friday of being able to breathe for me. Uh, Desperate House Housewitches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily function, dirty talk might offend you, this may not be the show for you, but I kind of hope are going to stick around because i have a great guest tonight desperate house witches is brought to you by the one the only the incredibly wicked one the amazing dorothy morrison please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com dorothy is still still yes still selling her 2021 home blessing ornaments hallelujah you can still get them Uh, through the end of this month, which is coming up upon us in the next week and a half or so. If you need Dorothy's products shipped internationally, check out theconjureshop.com. Go to the bottom of the page of the website, and they will tell you how to get your stuff shipped overseas. Again, check out theconjureshop.com for international shipping for wickedwitchstudios.com. All right. So... As I said, this is the first Friday I have been able to breathe in over four years. Um, and my guest tonight is amazing, and I know you're going to love her. The author of Witchcraft for Healing Radical Self Care for Your Mind, Body, and Spirit, Patty Wigington. Hey, Patty.
1: Hey, Raina. How are you? It's so good to be back. I
0: love doing your show. I'm
1: so glad oh. you invited me to come hang out with you on this Friday night.
0: Oh, I, first of all, Thank you for coming because you're awesome and I love you. And I've been a big fan of your writing for a number of years now. And this book is really important to me, especially now. So Witchcraft for Healing, Where? when did you start writing it? Why did you start writing it? Tell me about it so we can discuss with the listeners about why I think this book is so amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I had a lot of fun with this one, as you can tell um, from some, some of the spells and rituals that are in it. So what happened was I was approached by Callisto Media back in December of 2019. Yeah. I'm trying to do the math. I, I, I'm basically blocking 2020 out of my memory. So it takes me a minute, um, but they were really at the end of 2019 <laughs> And I had already written two books for them. I had written um, Wicca Practical Magic back in 2017, and I had just put my herbal magic book in the can, which was going to be released in April of last year. So they came to me in December and said, hey, we have this idea for a book on witchcraft for self-care. What do you think? I was like, sounds intriguing. Let's talk about it. Um, So we did, and I was like, you know, this is something – I'm a really big advocate of self-care. I think it's one of the things that we tend to neglect a lot in our personal and spiritual and professional lives. Um, and, yeah. you know, at the risk of offending half the population, I think women probably short themselves on self-care a lot more than the, our dudes do. Um, yeah. But self-care is important to me. So I said, sure, I would love to write this book. <laughs> what, what I did know... <laughs> at the time, was that I was going to be writing a book about witchcraft for healing and self-care during a global freaking pandemic. <laughs> like, <laughs> Christ, nobody saw that one coming. We did not see that one yeah. coming. And so, you know, there were times when I was working on this book, and I'm reading these headlines that we're all in quarantine, and I have to wear a mask just to go to the gas station. And instead of going to to shows to see my favorite bands on Saturday nights, me and my buddies are sitting in a Zoom room getting drunk together. <laughs>
0: it
1: was just, that right? was that was the process for writing this. Um, so I do wow. think that yeah. So it was it was kind of you know crazy times, um, but I I think in a way, I think writing this particular book under those circumstances helped me a lot and I think yeah. it actually made the book stronger because there were a lot of things that emerged during the, those first couple of months of the pandemic that kind of spilled over into the pages of the book that might not have otherwise been there. Um, but writing mm-hmm. the book gave me something to focus on during those first few months of almost total isolation. Like, you know, my kids and I didn't go anywhere. I didn't see my boyfriend for three months. It was basically just me and the dog and a couple of college students here in the house, you know. Um, and that, <laughs> yeah. that 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 sense of isolation was really hard. Um, but writing this particular book, um, it reminded me of the value of community and how important yeah. that is to so many of us, even those of us who – you know i love my alone time believe me i am perfectly happy to sit around and watch netflix on a friday night you know what have you but i yep. value my tribe and i value my support people and this writing this book reminded me of that which i kind of lost sight of for the first couple of months of the pandemic so um it was it was definitely an interesting experience that's for sure oh
0: no doubt and you know talk about missing the tribe we haven't you know we oh. were just talking before we went on the air i haven't like been able to hug you in shit, two years it's been like a year two and a years half? dude two years almost uh, yeah well, two years it's, it's, it's like yeah it's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> i know I, and we're not used to this cuz we're you know with our friends we're very affectionate and uh, sometimes right. even with strangers and this whole yeah. thing has just really put a cramp in our collective style. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful about you know, I'm I'm very hopeful about the vaccination, and and I hope that yeah. people, or the vaccine rather, I'm hopeful about getting the vaccination. Um, yeah, but you know, it's we're finding out that it's there's a lot. Uh, there there are fewer doses than originally, um, than than we were originally told, and that's a yeah of a big ass problem. When you Oh yeah, hear we're now we're way England, behind. We're way behind, and England now has the strain that is actually deadlier. So yeah. if you don't think it's coming this way, kind of hate yeah. to tell you it's coming this way. So we really need Surprise. to accelerate. You know, <laughs> yeah, because we didn't know that that wasn't on the twenty twenty one bingo card, but apparently it oh, is now. Wow. Um oh, no. I know you know, he has left oh. so much in his <laughs> break. But anyway, okay. You know, I, I'm trying to not talk about he who shall be nameless. It, I'm I'm right quite on. uh pleased and somewhat freaked out that, you know, there has been, you know, like twenty four hours where I didn't hear about him doing something crazy today, which was great. So I think it's going to take time to get back to any kind of a normal. But I'm looking forward to something that doesn't, you know, resemble daily insanity. I'm pretty excited. Well, you know, it's
1: Um, it's it's so weird for me because you know I'm. I'm self-aware enough to know that when something is really troubling and causes me anxiety, I just avoid it. I go into full avoidance mode mode. Um, and uh-huh. I realized that for the most part, I haven't turned on the news in like four and a half years. Um, and
0: the other day <laughs> I was
1: sitting there and I was watching CNN and I watched, you know, the inauguration and all the stuff that led up to it. And, you know, a couple of speeches uh-huh. afterwards. And then I turned it off because I'm like, I'm not going to watch this all day. That's, that's crazy. But, it was so weird because I was just, it's like you're waiting for the other shooter. It's almost like when you've been in an abusive relationship, you know, it's like we all have this collective trauma response where it's like, I can watch the news and I'm not going to get angry or anxious or have a panic attack. That doesn't seem right. I should probably just turn it off just in case, you know, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's crazy. Um,
0: I was watching CNN yesterday and the anchors
1: just look, they, they just look shell shocked. They were like, There was a press conference and questions were answered and nobody yelled. They just were stunned. It was crazy.
0: You know, it's funny you say abusive relationship because that is exactly how I look at the last four years. You know, we were abused. Now, imagine, okay, so we're Americans and we're used to a relative level of calm. And this just kind of blew us out of the water. Think about the people who are under constant dictatorship and how freaky and frightening it must be as a nation to live under the whim of one person. Um, Oh yeah. So I appreciate my country even more than I did before because of the level of shit I get away with just, you know, being a human in America Um, because I get away with a huge level of shit. Um, you know, because I won't go to jail for saying I think someone's an asshole, which is kind of a relief because during the last four years it was kind of touch and go. I was wondering if maybe I said he was an asshole too much. Yeah, I thought maybe they would come and find my ass, like, not that I'm a fucking threat, I'm nobody, but it was just interesting to see, it's interesting to, to see people calm down and go, oh, you know, I mean, even Dr. Fauci was like, no, it's yeah. a, no. I get up now and I talk to you, and I don't have fear of repercussion. And it's like, yeah, we all knew that was happening, but when someone right. confirms the horrible yeah. thing, it's almost yeah. scarier in retrospect. Oh yeah. So
1: and, and you know, it's like I, I, I'm sure that it, I'm sure that you and I are probably on somebody's list somewhere of something. Uh, but just the the change in the overall environment and atmosphere over the last two days has just been astounding. And you know, while we're talking about this, I have to throw a quick shout out to Jeff and Audrey and all of my emotional support Canadians. Thank you all for your service, for putting up with us. You're li- you were living upstairs above a meth lab for four years. Um, so thank you, we, we appreciate you up in the Great White North. We
0: do. Thank you for not abandoning us in our time of need. <laughs> thank you so much. We have been. And thank you for Justin Trudeau and,
1: and Poutine. I'm <laughs> telling you,
0: seriously. We miss the Poutine. We miss Justin. <sighs> um, I, I miss uh, if we're going to give a shout out to our Canadian brethren, Cindy Brandon. I love you. I will call you soon. Yes, um, because we need to talk about your your new book uh, as well. But yes, thank you for not abandoning us, Canada, because <laughs> right. your, your shell shocked girlfriend down here is going to still need some more support getting over that nasty ass boyfriend we had. He wasn't even a boyfriend. (laughs) He was like the abusive father that we couldn't get away from. But anyway, back to this amazing book. So tell me about about the difference between – yes, let's do this. Um, Yes, please. So let's talk about (laughs) what the difference is about self-care and radical self-care. Because there seems to be – I think people think that when you, like, do retail therapy, that's self-care. And I think people don't – don't get the differences in what self-care actually means. Can you kind of, like, walk me through that, please? Yeah,
1: well, you know, self-care is, like, a lot of things. Um, it, the, the answer to what it is kind of depends on who you ask. You know, it's like that old line about what is obscenity. Well, I don't know, but I know not when I see it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but in general, and, and for some people, retail therapy is self-care. And and if you're somebody who you're having a bad day, everything sucks, and you feel better because you went out and you got you a cute new pair of shoes, girl, work it. I mean, that's, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but... I like shoes. I, I love shoes. Oh, my God. And boots, uh, I'm a total boot whore. Trust me. Oh, my God. Yes.
0: Oh, but talk to me. I have three pairs of boots right now that I love. I know. Only three? Know. Oh, my God. Uh, well, only three that I'm wearing right now because of the – no, no, no. I have a closet full of boots, but I'm only rotating three pairs right now. Right, right.
1: I got you. I got you. Um
0: but yeah so
1: the the concept of radical self care takes i mean if you if you look at self care and think of it as ways of making yourself feel better about things, you know whether it's retail therapy or taking a bubble bath or you light a candle and you meditate, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that, but right, when you take it a step further. The reason I think the term radical self care has come to be is because it is it's far more transformative than a single action. It's not just I went to the store and I got cute shoes. It's not just I stopped at Starbucks and I got the fruity twelve hundred calorie drink and it made me feel better. Radical self-care is an ongoing process. It's transformative, and it's this absolutely ridiculous, batshit crazy idea that it is okay to take care of yourself first because when you do, Mm -hmm. it benefits all the different aspects of your life in a way that's healthy and beneficial. It helps improve your relationships when you've nurtured your own spirit in whatever way happens to work best for you. You know, it's, it's the old adage yeah. when you get on a plane and the flight attendant gives their little safety speech that no one actually listens to, and they tell you, in the event of a problem with the cabin pressure, put your own mask on before you help anybody else. That's radical self-care. Put your own mask on first. So, right. you know, for some people, the idea of self-care is, is, is selfish, and that's unfortunate because it's not. It's not selfish at all. It's self-enhancing. And it's self transformative and it's self empowering and it is uniquely personal.
0: Yes. That is very true. And I I know what you mean by transformative because I you know sometimes when I think I'm doing self care I'm actually like self comforting. Like Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyone who anyone who knows me knows that I have a unique passion for vanilla ice cream and hot caramel. Um, And I've kind of, I get it. All (laughs) right. For me, it's Moosewrax, but I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. There's an ice cream in there somewhere. Okay. So yeah, here's the problem. I have been, and, and I'm wondering if there's something in the book that can help me with this. Um, I have, so I've been self comforting instead of giving self care because self care is mm-hmm. about taking care of yourself as opposed to giving into stuff that maybe you shouldn't.
1: Right, right. Well, I
0: can so, tell you,
1: as someone who spent the first three months of the pandemic basically eating and drinking myself into my own comfort zone, <laughs> I mean, I out. swear to God, last year. Last year, I think I gained forty pounds, and I probably need a liver transplant at this point. But I mean, Hello, and, and that's me the thing. And like when drink. you, <laughs> okay, <laughs> week week. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the thing. Yes. It's like you do things that are comforting. It's like yeah, I could eat an entire container of moose tracks in in one sitting if I want to, because it, it feels good. It's delicious and it yes. makes me happy, and it's got the chocolate and the peanut uh-huh. butter. Oh my god, it's so good. And then the next morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, my God, I just ate an entire container of ice cream. What the hell is wrong with me, you know?
0: Hello, me too. Yes. Right? This is my problem. I'm telling you. (laughs) It is so true. (laughs) So one
1: thing that I I have learned is that when I do things that are more self-comforting than self-care, You know, I do them in the moment because they feel good. They make me happy. And then afterwards, eh, there might be some regrets. Not really shame, but some regrets. You know, the best thing I can do is use it as something to inspire me. It it makes me want to do better next time. And, yeah, maybe next time I might open that container of ice cream and think, you know what, I'm just going to put a small amount into a bowl and I'm going to put the carton back in the freezer, you know, and then I'm going to walk away from it. because otherwise
0: I'm going to get the damn thing. I, I know. So I just I just wanted folks to understand that there is, in fact, a difference between giving in to a bad thing because you have an excuse and mm-hmm. actually giving yourself actual care. So thank you for right. going with me on that. Um, yeah. So self-care, self-care I is
1: really, it's, it's very holistic. It treats the whole self. It's not just yeah. making my body feel better by eating that carton of ice cream. It also impacts my mind and my spirit. And if my if my mind and my spirit feel like crap because I just ate the whole gallon of ice cream, then that's not really self care. <laughs>
0: right.
1: It's delicious, but so, it ain't self care.
0: Right. And I just want folks to understand that there is a difference, and that the the idea of self care is to improve how you're dealing, how you're feeling, um, as opposed yeah. to. Um, I have a reason because everything is shit right now, and I'm just going to, like, make myself feel worse with all this sugar. Right. <laughs> and I'm telling right. myself that because I have been the queen of self-comforting
1: <laughs> and, oh my and gosh, looking. Oh, girl. Let me tell you.
0: Yes. I, <laughs> honey, I told you my quarantine 15 is my quarantine <laughs> 33. It is not oh, yeah. a joke. It's no. getting worse. Well,
1: yeah. and the worst so part is, like, my get... gym opened back up, but I don't want to go to the gym because uh-huh. I'm full of cooties, you know? I'm like, ugh. Oh, it's the
0: worst.
1: I know. God, I, I can't know. wait for you to warm I... again so I can go outside. That's that's my big thing is I just want to walk the dog around yeah. the neighborhood, and it's too cold to do that. Ugh.
0: Oh I know the weather's been crap, it's been super cold, and just walking up and because we have a beautiful tree lined street that we live on, full of liberals. We're very at home here, <laughs> but the weather is is nasty. nobody Aww. wants to be outside it's I mean it's been gray and cloudy except for like a full hour of sunshine every day, and that's it. Other than that, it's been gray and cloudy and it gets dark really mm. super early. And nobody wants right. to be dealing with that when the temperature's dropping. So yeah, yeah, you know, I am looking forward to going back outside again. But yeah, yeah, it's it's so this is where this book comes in for me. And and just um, as a, a, a big aside, uh, Laura Tempest uh, Zachroff does a, mm-hmm. uh, a a ritual workout every day, which is. Very, yes. very nice and, and does actually help help me move my body a little bit when I do it. I have to get back on the stick. So let's talk about the manifestation and setting intentions part of this because uh-huh. I think that's really important, especially now that we're, you know, we're starting to come out of this real funk. And I think, yeah. you know, you actually have to motivate yourself to start doing things again, because we are a little bit shell-shocked, I think. Yeah, um, it's hard. Can you, can you talk about that? Yeah,
1: so I think manifesting has become sort of a catch-all buzzword. You know, people are like, when people want something, they simply say they're manifesting. I'm manifesting myself a new car this year. I'm going to manifest myself a house. I'm gonna manifest a hot <laughs> boyfriend. You know, no, you you just want those manifesting is actually yeah. taking the steps. It's it's what happens when we actually put some effort, some energy, some time, some work into yeah. achieving our dreams and goals and wishes and making them reality. Um, because there's you know there's a lot of value in making your dreams come true i mean we all have goals we all have things that we want to achieve there are things that we all want to have um to make ourselves happy and whole and healthy um but but yeah there are some some steps involved that actually you know involve work, um, which is why I I say that radical self-care is an ongoing gradual transformation. You know, it's not me sitting down on Mm -hmm. a Saturday night and doing one candle spell and boom, I've just manifested all the shit that I think I'm entitled to in my life. Um, (laughs) You know, it's, it's the, I mean, if, if, if it worked that way, we'd all do it right. Everybody would do magic if that was how it worked. Um, But one of the first steps is setting your intention because if you don't know what it is that you want, how are you going to work towards it? So you have to, I'm a, I'm a big fan of goal setting and I like goal setting just because it gives me a focus. I mean, you know, I'm one of those people, yeah. I got a three-year plan, I got a five-year plan and I got a 10-year plan. Beyond that, yeah, I'll move the, the goalposts when I get there. Um, but, right. you know, once you've figured out what it is that you hope to achieve and, and it's, you know, it's, it's different things for different people. For some, it might be professional success for other people. It might be to enrich their relationships with the people that are in their lives for, you know, for someone else, it might just be to, you know, be able to combat feelings of shame and low self esteem and, you know, questioning who they are and their own self value. Um, But whatever Mm -hmm. your goal is, you know, actually manifesting it that's that's the result of taking action and that's that's huge because if you don't definitely take action is. nothing nothing's going to change nothing's going to be different you can sit around all day long thinking wow I sure am manifesting really hard but if you're not actually doing the work you're not going to manifest anything at all you're just going to
0: you know 3 years 5 years 10 years from now you're going to be sitting there going wow
1: I sure wish things were different
0: Right, and nothing changes unless you do. I mean, I learned that right. the hard way. Um, right. And sometimes yeah. <laughs> sometimes, those steps,
1: sometimes those steps are small. You know, I I learned a long time ago that for me, when I set a goal, it's, it's better for me to look at it in, in increments. You know, I mentioned earlier that I think I've probably gained 40 pounds over the past year just because, you know, I've been at home and I've been eating and I haven't really – I haven't been to the gym since last March, so you know ten months, so I'm just feeling kind of plump and round right now, so you know I mean I can set myself a goal of losing those forty pounds, and that's a big goal that's 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 a goodly chunk of weight. It's a hell of a lot easier for me to start with you know what? I think I'm going to lose five pounds, or maybe you know what yep. maybe i'm going to lose ten I'm going to lose ten percent of that i'm just gonna, I'm going to shoot for four pounds that's that's what I'll do I'll start with that first ten yeah. percent. Um, that's a hell of yeah. a lot easier because then I can move the goalpost. because once I lose those first four, then I'm like, wow, okay, I've got 36 pounds to go. Let's see. Maybe I can lose another 10%. That's 3.6 pounds. I can, I can do that. I can do that easily, you know? So, but people achieve goals different ways. You know, some people, they're like, they got to look at the big picture. Me, I like to bite it off in small chunks.
0: I think people get overwhelmed a lot of the yeah. I think more often people get overwhelmed when you look at the whole goal because it, it can be very sure. daunting. Because forty pounds mm-hmm. is a – listen, I have to lose that too. You're not alone. I probably have yeah. to lose fifty. But okay, let's start with let's start with the first five. Because right. as the first right. five goes, you're now under you know, you're under that scary number. You're now at a yeah. you've got a different goal. Now okay. you're thirty five. Okay. okay. That's cool. Right. Yeah. So it's it's just a chunk at a time. I think it's easier to, yeah. you know, like when, you know, people have talked to me about they're intimidated because they have kids and there's a whole mess and, you know, it's just overwhelming because the house is a disaster. And my whole thing is go into one room, pick one yeah. corner, clean mm-hmm. that corner. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know,
1: sometimes, and I I understand that there are times when things are overwhelming and it's just too much. I was talking to a friend of mine not too long ago who suffers from some pretty crippling depression and anxiety. And um, she told me, she's like, you know, sometimes I forget to eat because it's just too much to go into the kitchen and prepare myself a meal. I have to think about it. I have to assemble it and then I have to clean up after myself. And I was like, why do you have to assemble a meal? And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, why don't you just go in there? and get the components of the meal out, like, you know, the package of cheese and the package of ham and just eat uh-huh. those things from the package and then just put the package back in the fridge. And she was like, can I actually, can I actually do that as an adult? I was like, you're an adult. You can do anything the hell you want. Eat the cheese, eat the ham, you know, whatever. Um But sometimes right. it is just too much, you know, cleaning an entire house, especially if you're somebody who's, you know, you work full time. You come home. You got a bunch of little kids running around. You got to prepare the meals. You got to get everyone in the bathtub. You got to get everyone to bed. When the hell do you have time to vacuum your fifteen hundred square foot house? You don't. You know, uh-huh. but you but you might have time exactly. to vacuum just the living room. Maybe that's all you do today, and that's yeah. okay. That is okay. You have yeah. to give yourself the privilege of acknowledging that that sometimes it's too much. And at the end of the day, when we're when we're all on our deathbed there's not going to be a single person who comes to my funeral and says, wow, Patty was great. She sure kept her house really
0: clean. Nobody gives a shit about that, you know? For sure. For sure. I mean, and I totally agree with you. You know, I don't want to lay on my deathbed because this is my mother, okay? My mother would Hmm. lay there and think about there's a spot on the floor. Oh, no. Okay? At eighty. going to be 81 years old, these are the things that were instilled into my mother by my father. I mean, mm. it's just crazy. But yes, yeah. I don't want to have to think about that. I want to think more about the life that I've lived than the things right. I did fucking clean. Thank you so much. Right. <laughs> you know, there's something you wrote in the book about self-love that I really, really adore because... All my life I've heard this myth of if you don't love yourself, nobody can love you. And that's really mm. a crock of shit. Please it's, explain it's really to people. A, it's, that, yeah,
1: yeah that
0: that can be a
1: dangerous <laughs> concept. It really can. Because some people, for a variety of reasons, really don't love themselves. And because they don't, they don't think they deserve to have anybody else love them. But the great thing is, it actually is possible for other people to love you when you feel like there's nothing about you to love. And that's, that's the message that people need to keep in mind. It's not, oh, I have to love myself or no one will ever love me. It's I am worthy of love even if I don't feel like I am. and I don't feel like there's anything lovable. It's okay for someone else to love me. And I invite that, you know. Um mm-hmm. I think, I think a lot of it, I think there's a lot of people carrying around a lot of baggage for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I don't know, if you, have you ever read any of Brene Brown's books, like um and Greatly, and she's got another one. It's uh, The Gift of Imperfection, where she talks about the difference between guilt and shame.
0: Yes, I've actually not read her books, but I have heard her TED
1: Talks. Oh, my God, she's amazing. So one of the things she talks about yeah. is the difference between guilt and shame because she's a researcher who studies shame for a living, which I don't know how you get into the, that line of work, but okay, that's cool. I'm glad she's doing it. Um, but she, she talks about how, Yeah, somebody's got to. Guilt is when you feel bad for something you've done. Shame is when you uh-huh. feel bad about something you are. And when I first heard her say that, it was – It was just so powerful because it suddenly hit me that so many people are unhappy. They think they're feeling guilty about stuff, but they're just carrying around this sense of worthlessness that's been instilled in them by whatever, by parents or partners or society in general or just, you know, some sort of imbalance of their own. And so there's all these people who just truly don't believe they're worthy of being loved and 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 that makes that makes me sad because i think everybody is entitled to feel good about themselves so creating a solid sense of self love it it does a couple of things when you learn to love yourself not for who you think you're supposed to be not for who somebody else wants you to be but for who you actually are um it allows you to show other people that you value and you respect yourself because you start treating yourself in a way that you treat people that you love. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 so important. People, you know, people will say, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm just having a terrible time," and. I'm, I'm garbage and I'm worthless. And it's like, okay, would you say that to your best friend? Would you tell them your best friend? Like if they, if they burned the toast, would you tell them they're they're a failure and they're garbage and they're worthless? Of course you would. So if you burn the toast, why are you telling yourself that you're garbage and you're a failure and you're worthless? So the, the, a solid sense of self, self-love it just, it, it allows you to treat yourself like you matter. And that is huge because once you start realizing that you matter, then you can do things that nurture your spirit. Then you can set boundaries and tell people, Hey, you know what? I have value, so I'm not going to let you treat me like I don't. And that's, that's a big thing. That's a big step. A lot of people really struggle with boundaries, um, I'm a big fan of them. I, and lately even more so, because now I have a reason to tell people to stay six feet away from me. It's like, excuse me, sir, I need you to step back. Um, but yeah, so so self self love is sort of a, it's sort of an offshoot of self care because the more you practice radical self care, it, like I said, it's that holistic approach of the mind and the body and the spirit. So the more you practice radical self care the more, the closer you'll get to realizing that you're somebody who deserves self-care. You're somebody who entitled is entitled to caring for themselves in a way that is positive and loving and healing and helpful.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I've had, Listen, I don't know about you, but I have had moments of feeling like I don't deserve all the amazing stuff that happens in my life because Mm -hmm. I'm going through a thing or, you know, somebody may, listen, I'm as sensitive as the next person. Sometimes somebody will just make a comment, not meaning anything, and it will just hit me the wrong way. And then I'm down Mm -hmm. for an entire, you know, feeling badly. Oh, that's that's hard. Right? Sure. But by the same token, um, that same person a day later could say something really wonderful and I'm floating on a cloud for the next 24 hours so right. you know the idea of of putting that kind of value on the words of other people um, is kind of a it's not a great thing <laughs> you know no, it, no but I think uh, it's
1: something that a lot of people do you know when my kids were younger especially my daughters because I, I have two girls and a son especially with my daughters I made sure that I told them very early in life that your value does not hinge on the opinions of others. What other people think of you has nothing to do with the person you are and what you are worth as a human being in this universe. Um, So, and, and I mean, I get that a lot of times people feel like they don't deserve things. They don't deserve love or they don't deserve abundance or they don't deserve all the things they have. I'm here to tell you, I look around at the stuff that I have and the good things that are in my life and I think to myself, you know what? I earned this shit. I am proud of it. And I am. I I will never let anyone feel like I don't deserve the things I've got because I've worked for everything I have. I weigh up from nothing.
0: That's awesome. That's That's really awesome. You know, and there are moments I feel like that too, but there are yeah, moments that I feel like I mean, because, listen, I've made, like, bunches of mistakes, and I have... Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Okay? So I have a hard time sometimes squaring that with all of the great things in my life, because sometimes I'm like, well, I really... You know, what did I do to deserve this wonderful person who loves me, or this car that I have, or whatever? And I think... The idea of self worth really is when you can when you can understand that you are worthy. Um, mm-hmm. I think it heals a whole bunch of other issues. Do you think
1: so? Right. I, absolutely, absolutely. And I think one of the mistakes that a lot of people fall into the trap of is that we somehow we treat good fortune and positive things we treat the things that we have and the things that happen to us as transactional. Okay. Like if nothing, if bad things happen to us, well, I probably deserved that. But when good things happen to us, we never say, well, I probably deserved that. Instead we stop and we go, Oh, I probably don't deserve this. Well, of course you do. But we've conditioned ourselves to think that somehow it's, you know, abundance and blessings and good fortune, you know, it's, It's not pie. There's not like a finite amount, like only a few people get a slice and then nobody else is allowed to have any, you know, if you work for something and you've earned it, or if you've got this amazing person in your life who cares for you and loves you despite all of your flaws and imperfections, why question the fact that they love you? Why not just accept that they have seen something in you that you have not seen in yourself?
0: Oh, I love the way you put that. This is so true. Something, I mean, something. You are then questioning the reality of. See, and here's the thing: you are questioning the reality of someone else. You're questioning right. somebody else's ability to make that decision about who you are in their lives. I, I love exactly. that. Exactly. No, true.
1: Exactly, and that's and that's so important. You know, if some, if you're with someone and they say to you, "Well, I don't think I deserve you." You're basically telling them that they're too stupid to figure out what they like and what they want and what they need. You're, you are
0: questioning their judgment. It's bullshit. You can't do that to someone you love. Stop doing it. I know, right? Just enjoy it. What's wrong with you? Right? <laughs> Sit back and eat I your ice cream done, with them and everything will be fine. Right? I mean, I'm and I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I'm guilty of the whole, you know, I'm feeling worthless, therefore... How almost a how dare you see something in me that, right? You know that you don't see what I'm seeing. You're seeing something a whole lot better than I do. But how right. lucky I am to have that, to have somebody right. who says, and, "Well, I, I don't, I, I don't care what you see. I see." Right. Right.
1: And you know, I guarantee you, your person is looking at you and just wishing that someday you'd look in the mirror and see the what they see when they look at you. I guarantee it.
0: that's very possible. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just I get these weird <laughs> head spins sometimes. And I don't know if it's because of my age or if it's just a, a part of my character and this is who I've always been. But right, I mean I think everybody like brings something... their own experience to the table. Yeah, for sure. Right. Right. I just I I like the way I like the way you approach things. <laughs> I think it's really you know it's refreshing to have somebody else say, "Yeah, I know what you mean," because <laughs> a lot yeah. of times well, don't you know, have somebody that says, "I get
1: it." So. <laughs> right now, like we were talking about earlier before we before we launched the 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 broadcast, you know, we're we're to the point yeah. where you know one of the privileges of getting older is you you learn a lot and <laughs> you bring that to the table. One of the things I've learned is that the older I get, the fewer fucks I have to give. So.
0: No doubt. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, zero, zero, (laughs) baby. (laughs) I have no fucks left. Um, And I'm starting to get there again. I think, you know, after watching the world do a dip and a twirl and being really concerned um, about where things were going, and I think it really kind of shook me to the core for the last four and a half years of, you know,
1: Having to hard. wake up
0: every morning and thinking I'm oh, sorry. I said it's been hard. I get I get it, believe me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, after waking up the other morning and not having to rush to my phone to see what the fuck he did this time <laughs> Wait, while like, I was asleep. On Twitter this morning? Um, <laughs> exactly. I mean, every morning was a ritual of holding your breath. And, you know, not throwing up, uh, wondering if we were going to be in a war or, you know, if some one side of the country decided to try to kill off the other side. Um, Right. You know, I mean, it's just just been really interesting. And I think, you know, now that things are going to go back to a more – because I've noticed that during this whole thing in the pandemic, a lot of folks have been doing a lot of shadow work and talking about it more – and, you know, trying to cleanse out um, some of the harsher things in our in our personalities, in our bodies, in our paths, mm-hmm. in our practices. And that's been wonderful. I hope that that level of self-reflection, which I completely tie into your book, um, because I think it all comes into the, the self-healing aspect of it and, yeah. you know, how to improve the quality of your life, uh, which is the part that your book, You know, picks up. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love that. So I I think it's just this continuous healing that we all really have to start looking at and doing. It's shadow work is important. Listen, we've all got stuff we need to clean out. But this book, your book, is, I think, instrumental to the next step of okay, we have dealt with these things. Um, let's start putting ourselves back on the path of healing. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, I think and, it's and, and really, start really looking our, at
1: it. More. Yeah, it's I'm it's sorry, time for a lot of us to start focusing on building things back up. You know, we we right. tried to dismantle as right. much as we could, um, and shadow work was a big part of that. Um, and I think there was, especially this past you know the past ten months, where we've all been so physically isolated from each other. I think there's been a a fracturing of the community, you know, just by virtue of the fact that, you know, sometimes the only time we see our friends is, you know, on FaceTime or, you know, on Zoom call or whatever. Um, But, you know, now I feel like there's, I mean, I know it sounds cheesy, but I feel like there's a sense of renewal and even if we're not able to be with each other physically and in person, I think we can reestablish those connections that make, that sense of community and, and tribe as a whole, you know, we have to think we have to start thinking about all of us instead of just me, me, me. Um, and yeah. I think now yeah. is as good a time as I need to do it. So that when we are able to get together in person again, you know, we can walk up to our friends and give them hugs and give them big, wet kisses and just hold their
0: hands <laughs> and do all the things that we haven't been able to,
1: because they'll still be there for
0: us, you know? Oh, I I agree. And, you know, it's also the whole thing about once you've emptied a well, there's nothing left to give anybody. And the idea of this radical self-care to kind of refill yourself so that you have yeah. something to give is so yeah. important. You know, I, I know I keep going back to that, but this is, you know, no, this is it, why I it, love your book so much.
1: It, it, it <laughs> it's true, though. So, I mean, I've, I've really learned over the years that, the happier I am with myself, the happier, the happier I am with all of my other relationships. It, it makes them stronger. It makes them deeper. It makes them more meaningful. And that includes not just interpersonal relationships, but my relationships with, you know, various pockets of my community as well. You know, I just feel better about, you know, my community as a whole when I'm feeling good about Patty as an individual person.
0: Sure. Um, I also love the fact that you address, you know, gratitude. Because oh, gratitude God, it's so important. I, think, I know. Right? Um, especially now because there were many mornings that I didn't know if we were gonna make it to another day. And oh man. Just the right, just the idea of being able to maintain a sense of gratitude even at the low points. And you know, it's not that everything is cured. It's nothing's cured, really. Right, um, right. But but we still have to maintain that level of appreciation for everything we do have, and the ability to have gotten through some pretty dark days. There are still going to be dark
1: mm-hmm. days. Um, oh,
0: absolutely. But the I. Yeah, you know. I mean, so I I love the fact that you brought that up because or you bring it up in the book, I should say. Um because it's it is something that I think people forget a lot of the time and gratitude is like one of the most important things, I think. Um, it just, you know, especially if you're somebody who follows uh a, a, you know, deity of some kind, you know, it's it's always been impressed upon me that the idea of being grateful increases whatever it is you're doing in a positive. Um, so yeah. I, I also like the fact that you you mentioned keeping a journal, and I have I have to tell you I have such a hard time. That's the one thing oh, that I I, <laughs> I, I want to get. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm, I'm Oh, you
1: know, I start with the the best of intentions. It's like I have all these really pretty little notebooks that I bought, and I'll start writing something really great about it every day for like a week and a half, and then I forget. And then I go back, and it's like a month later. It's like, crap, what am I grateful for now?
0: I don't know. You know what's funny? I was so hell bent on getting a dated journal. And oh. the fact that I didn't get a dated one, I'm so glad I didn't because it would just be a constant reminder of my failure to do it on a daily basis. Exactly. So I kept wondering exactly. why is the universe making sure that I'm not buying a dated journal? Because all the ones I wanted mm-hmm. were sold out or back ordered or whatever. Okay. And now I know yep. why. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because you'd have man, never you kept are up serious.
1: Yeah, you'd you'd have felt so bad about all those blank pages between, like, July 8th and September 14th. You'd have been like, crap, I've got two months of nothing
0: here. I know, right? I'm trying to do it at least once a week now. I know I can't do it every day, but even if if you write one sentence, right, isn't that important to, like, just encourage yourself?
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's it's just like any other habit. It's one of those things where it's like if you get into the habit of doing it daily, cool. But you know what? Again, like we were talking about earlier, sometimes that's just too much. Sometimes you just can't. So if you commit to yourself, okay, you know what? At the end of the week, I'm just going to write one thing. Okay? If you can mm-hmm. do that, then, you know, then that's a step. And maybe at some point you can say, you know what? I'm not just going to do it on Sundays. I'm going to do it on Wednesdays, too. Okay. Cool. Now you've added 2 days in week, yep. So, that you know, it, it shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be something where you're like, "Oh, crap, I got to go pull out my journal now." Ugh. You you don't want to do that. <laughs> um, because then it's like then it's like, "Wow, journaling sucks. I am not thankful for this at all." <laughs> <laughs>
0: That. Oh, you've heard me then. Never mind. Um.
1: <laughs> but I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of sharing your appreciation with others. I, I worked in retail for a really long time, so I know the special yeah. form of hell that, that can be. Um, so I always yeah. think it's really important. Like if you, if you, if you have, if a stranger is somebody who has shown exemplary service, they've gone above and beyond, or they've just been really kind even when you were having a crap day and they were just holding it together just to make you feel like you were somebody who mattered. Oh my God. Thank them. You know, I, I, I have sure. a tendency to overtip. I have a tendency to over tip my servers because I'm just kind of like, Oh my God, she was so nice. I bet nobody else is going to tip her well today because everybody's busy and cranky. I'm going to leave her 30 or 40%, you know? just because, you know, if somebody's doing a good job, do that. You know, we always complain. We always turn into like a total, I would like to speak to the manager kind of person when things go badly. But we never say, yeah. I want to speak to the manager and give them a compliment about one of their employees. And I think more people should do that.
0: I actually am very well known for doing that. I have good for you. <laughs> I, have I love such, it. You know, I had, like, Sprint for years and years and years, but Sprint sucked, and I went to Verizon, and I had a uh-huh. problem with Verizon. And the, mm-hmm. by the time I got to, like, the third or fourth person, that person was so awesome. I'm like, can I speak to your manager? And having known what I'd just been through, she was, like, kind of freaked out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Right. You were wonderful. You are the person I'm going to talk about. You know, and I'm really – You know, I'm really, I love I'm an, that actually, you do this. I'm and I'm in, I'm in a service industry, and I'm very lucky because I really love what I do, and my clients are wonderful, wonderful people. And very often I get somebody saying, "Can I talk to your boss? What your your service was amazing." And
1: that's awesome.
0: It's so nice. But because I get that, I suppose that's why I'm so happy to give it in turn because I know. Right. Right. how hard that is to get normal. Cause I oh my have cranky God, yeah. clients. Oh, trust me. Oh, yeah. I have really cranky yeah. ass clients. <laughs> but no, I get it. But like I said, happy? you know, after all those years. Yeah. Yep. When you, you've had all those years, I'm
1: sorry, doing what? Oh, I was just gonna say I had all those years in retail. So, you know, I've seen, I've seen the best of people and I have seen the worst of people. Um, And one of the great things about not working in a service industry anymore is that now, you know, going back to my zero fucks given mentality, now I'm kind of like, now I feel really comfortable calling people out for bad behavior when they're like being mean to a cashier or something. I'm like, yeah, you, this is not going to stand. We're not going to, we're not going to do that here today. You're going to just go somewhere
0: else, Karen, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I understand. No, I totally understand. See, because I'm still in the industry, Um, Uh that's where all my fucks go because I want my clients to know that I actually care. (laughs) Somebody needs to care. So that's my job. My job is to, is to care, but in my personal life, Oh, you can just go fuck right off. um, If you're going to be an asshole. So I, I have the full spectrum. I, you know, in my daytime life, I am very, I'm absolutely going to take care of you. Don't you worry about it in my private life. It's like, you're not going to act an ass. You just no, not. no, <laughs> no.
1: Isn't that empowering? So, you don't feel good to stand up for yourself. Enough? It does. It does. Yeah. It
0: does. It also makes you yeah. feel good to stand up for other people like you talked Absolutely. about. That we're not. Yeah. We're not doing that here. You can take that attitude right the fuck out. Um, yeah. But you know, going back to your book, cause I want to, um, Oh yeah! I you know I want folks I I want folks to know that there's other stuff in the book too. There's there's you know what oils to use for what crystals herbs you reference beautifully all of that you you talk about um, affirmations you give spells and Mm -hmm. I basically talked your ear off for like (laughs) (laughs) most of this time and that's okay um, that's okay. But I love, you know, and you you do give actual spells, rituals to, like, do specific things. And as I mentioned to you before, I wanted to talk about, (laughs) well, first of all, the idea of making your own offering bowl is very cool, but obviously not everyone can do it. I know. I certainly can't. Um, But one of my favorite things that I wanted to talk about in the book was your your decluttering ritual and your drunk oh, junk drawer <laughs> my my drunk <laughs> drawer
1: I see where I see where you're going with that.
0: <laughs> oh, because that's my life right now. So can Uh, you just tell folks a little bit about those two things because I love them so much because you do have a sense of humor and I adore you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: So the decluttering ritual, you know, it's so funny because I am somebody who loves to get rid of things. My parents are very minimalist type people and I think I've inherited a bit of that from them. Like, I don't like a lot of clutter. There's things that I have, but everything that I have has a Uh purpose. Like I don't have, I don't have stuff that's just sitting around collecting dust. Like, if it has no use and it doesn't make me happy, whoop, out the door it goes. So the decluttering right. ritual, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, Marie Kondo wrote her book about uh, the, the magical art of tidying up. And she, yeah. she she's an interesting author because she's a former Shinto priestess. So she understands the the sacred act of minimalist living, but, you know, she took a lot of flack for the book because somehow it, somehow people got under the impression that she was saying you should only have X number of books in your house. But what she had actually said was that she personally only has that number of books in her house. But, but regardless, her philosophy is if something doesn't bring you joy, you should get rid of it. And that's kind of an approach I've always taken to staying organized and keeping my house reasonably clean, um, which is that if I don't want it, I don't use it, I don't love it. Or if it doesn't fit my fat ass, it's going to go. It's just going to go because the less stuff that I have taking up space, the more room I have for things that make me happy. And sometimes what makes me happy is an empty space and that's okay. Um, So this is a ritual that you can do. It takes place over 13 days, you know, over the waning moon mm-hmm. phase. You know, as the as the moon goes uh-huh. from full to dark, and you take a candle, a pink candle because pink is associated with gratitude, um, and you get yourself 13 either trash bags or boxes, but 13 vessels that you can put stuff into. Um, uh-huh. And then you use like a knife or some other sort of tool. You mark horizontal lines on your candle. So you divide it into 13 equal segments. Okay. So each day uh-huh. you light the candle and you take one bag or box and you walk through your house and, you know, maybe you want to just work on a single room. Maybe you want to focus on that one closet or that weird dresser that's got all that strange shit in the bottom door or whatever. And you look at it yeah. It's there. Yeah. And you just say, do I love this? Do I need it? Does it have value to me? And if the answer is no then you put it in the box. But before you do that, you hold the item in your hand and you thank it for being part of your life. And then you send it away so it can be loved by other people. You're rehoming your, your, your pre-loved stuff. And then you put your stuff in the bag or the box and you repeat it with the next object. And once the bag is full, you just, you stop and you're done for the day and you let the candle burn down to the line and then you put it out. And then the next day you do the same thing. So you do this until you have 13 bags full of stuff and then you drop them off at your local donation center. I mean, you know, keep a separate bag for trash because there's some stuff that you should not rehome. Nobody wants your used underwear or your sex toys or whatever. <laughs> um, but Well, I mean, maybe, some, I don't know. I mean, I can probably sell that on like fans or something, but you know, um but oh yeah God. so yeah. you go through no. 13 days of de- 13 days of decluttering and you get rid of stuff that you just don't love or need anymore and it's it's super simple and it's super easy and you end up with a cleaner house at the end of it
0: i've got to do that i really do i i think it's, it's so brilliant. gratifying it's so gratifying oh my gosh, gosh. <laughs> you know i i moved a year ago and i got rid of oh. a ton of stuff but mm-hmm. you would not believe how much additional shit you can accumulate in one year. And oh I'm a girl to do let me tell it. you. <laughs> Hello, for real. Okay. Yeah, because um, yeah, we moved a few months before the pandemic, like three months before the pandemic really hit. Oh, okay. And uh, so there's just been, I mean, <sighs> I cornered the market, because I get toilet paper like every other week. Um, mm-hmm. because I don't like the, I did not, I was very upset when the pandemic first hit and everybody was like grabbing nine ten 10, you know, packages of toilet paper. Right. Nobody has to shit that much. And if your ass is that nasty, take a bath. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> get a so, bidet. <laughs> you know, seriously, get a bidet. But, you know, like every other week I would get a package, just one of toilet mm-hmm. paper, not Huge yeah. amounts. So now yeah. I have like I don't have to buy toilet paper again until the spring. You know. Oh man. But yeah, oh, so I man. did a little extra. Yeah, yeah, I did a little extra.
1: So But that's okay know, because there's not gonna there's never gonna be a point in your life where you're like, Nope, I don't need any more toilet paper in my life. I mean you're always gonna use it.
0: I know, I know. But you know, buying excess of anything was a huge lesson. Because I didn't need to buy it every other week, you know. Right, but you know, you have it. Don't be so afraid that you're going to run out of everything. We've already seen what the Mm -hmm. pandemic can do. We've already seen that the food supplies are are stabilized now. Everything's semi-stabilized. I'm sure there are going to be more hiccups, but you know, if we can just keep people from panicking and panic buying. You know, because people get into a mode and they're afraid of being without, so it goes back to the cluttering aspect. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just don't be so afraid. We know what we're dealing with. It's going to be all right. Um, But before I let you go, because... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We've been talking about an hour, girlfriend. What is that? I know. I could do another another two hours with you, but... um, they Absolutely. limit my time on here. I know. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have you back. I'm definitely asking cool. you to come back because I adore you and love having you on. But for, for now, tell folks what you're working on or what's coming out and uh, when we can hopefully see you soon or where folks can catch up with you.
1: Yeah. So, um, right now, so typically during December and January, those are like my fallow months. They're the months when I don't do a whole lot of writing projects because I kind of need to rejuvenate my spirit, and my soul and get back to doing stuff like cooking and baking and, you know, crocheting crazy hats out of scrap yarn and stuff like that. You know, it's, awesome. I don't do a whole lot of writing stuff. Uh, This time of year. So I've got a couple of projects that I'm hoping that I'll be able to uh, put out for everybody in the witchy community, hopefully in the later part of the year. Um, But one thing that's super Uh exciting, a lot of people don't know I write fiction. And I actually have uh, my fifth novel is coming out on February 1st. So I'm very excited about that. Oh,
0: what's that about?
1: Okay, so it's a Regency mystery. Um, It's called That Faulkner Woman. And you can find it on my website, which is com. It's also on Amazon. And, um, yeah, so it's a hot Regency mystery. It's about um, a woman who is, she's a widow with a teenage daughter, and she comes back to her home in England after 15 years of absence. Um, She's got a bit of a bad reputation because she ran off with a footman when she left. And uh, there's a mystery. And, there's, uh, there's humor. There's hot sex with a roguish guy from Yorkshire. Spoilers. Uh, right. There's murder. Other. And uh, it's a good time. Yeah. I had a really good time writing it. So I'm actually working on a sequel to it right now, but we'll, we'll see how that goes.
0: So. Awesome. Well, okay. Yeah. That's, I want to know more about that. So we're going to, Patty's <laughs> going to come back and talk to me about. Her, uh, residency residency novel, well, <laughs> I, I, listen, I appreciate smut. I'm not dead yet, oh, girl. Yeah. All right. So the book is witchcraft for healing radical self care for your mind, body, and spirit. The author is my good friend, Patty Wigington. Patty, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. Thank you so much for letting me
1: to come out and play on a Friday night. It's always a pleasure. I love hanging out with you. We need to do it more.
0: And we're going to because I'm about to, like, hit you up for more time. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Patty, have a have a great night. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, tomorrow I will be back at 10 a.m. with the amazing Joe Graham, and we're going to talk about, well, now that one part is over, what happens next. So I will see you at 10 o'clock tomorrow with Joe Graham. Everybody have a great night. See you tomorrow. Yeah.